I think that what you're learning in an educational standpoint during school should also carry over into your your skills as a, as a human, how to be a good human. Just like we're questioning what we think of our relationship with God and our, you know, all of that, you should also be thinking about your relationship to yourself and how you want that to be with others. I've learned more listening to podcasts than I learned in my two years of college. Right now is a great opportunity to leverage the power of voice. No one's going to be able to offer the world what you can. It took someone else that had a bigger vision than me to be able to show me the way. And so now that we're here, we can show others the way. What if you can do what you love to fight what you hate? Be On Air, powered by Podcast Farm. Hello, hello, and happy holy, everybody. Today is the amazing festival of colors in India, holy. And as I am saying this, this is March 29th, so you may be getting this after the fact, but still, happy holy. Today we have a networker and a connector who focuses on on building a better dating network for especially uh, people and, and, and folks in the South Asian diaspora. So Radha Patel is based out of Dallas, Texas, and has been married for 11 years with two kids and a puppy. Never having used dating apps before, she was surprised to hear from so many of her friends and family how they are just not working. Most of the singles she spoke with said they were being open to being introduced, but either their networks weren't that big or they were being set up with people that they had nothing in common with. And so Radha decided her approach would be to serve as an extension of your friend group to make more meaningful introductions. So when she recognized there was a need for better dating, especially dating with the goal of marriage, she focused her networking efforts around this space and created Single to Shadi. People are craving meaningful connections more than ever, especially with the pandemic. And so I'm really excited to get into modern courtship, modern matchmaking, dating, and how to connect and find meaningful connections. So uh, stick around. We're going to introduce Radha here shortly. Radha, thank you so much for making time to join us today. Welcome to Be On Air. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Kaylee. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. There's there's a lot that we get to get into today. Um, so to start off, could you just talk, could you in- introduce your story a little bit more in detail about how you found this this role of being a modern matchmaker? Absolutely. Yeah. I've always been a connector, Uh, you know, uh, growing up, I loved introducing groups of friends to other groups of friends and finding that common thread. And typically when you think of networking, it's usually around the workspace or professional careers. But I realized after talking to my friends and family that they're looking to be connected in a romantic sense as well. And essentially the apps and everything that they've been trying, it's there, but it wasn't getting the job done. They were losing that lack of actual accountability, that connection that, hey, this person understands what I'm looking for and is helping me in that search. And so because I have this atmosphere, you know, attitude of trying to connect people, make deals, make connections, I said, why not do that in the dating space as well? And started out with my own friends and family. That's amazing. And so how long have you been doing this? We started in the fall of 2018. And so a little over two years, about two and a half years now. So, you know, I'm just hearing different, um, you know, ideas of what people might might say. So dating apps have become way more commonplace, way less uh, stigmatized, more accepted, and especially with COVID, right? 
however, matchmaking and this more hands-on approach seems to be less commonplace here in, in the West. Why is that? Is that true? And, and what are your thoughts on that? I think traditionally matchmaking has been seen as this very expensive tool. It's for busy professionals. My earliest recollection of matchmaking is when you're uh, flying on an airplane and you see the glossy ads in the, in the airplane magazine and it's thousands and thousands of dollars and it's still not guaranteed. I mean, nothing is guaranteed, but it's still like all of this money and you're walking away with maybe six dates and you still didn't get any closer to what you're looking for in a relationship. And so when I was trying to figure out matchmaking, it was you know very common in the South Asian community. They had matchmakers that would help them. Um, back then, obviously parents were more involved, but parents would go to matchmakers and ask, you know, who's eligible in my child's range? This is what we're looking for. And so that very much resonated with the, the adults or the parents' generation. And so when I was thinking about introducing matchmaking as a concept for this next generation in the diaspora. I really wanted to flip those old school notions on his head. I wanted to be affordable and approachable for everybody to, you know, have access to this personalized service. And I also wanted to remove the, the parental involvement to an extent because, you know, we, we hear about pressure, family pressure all the time. And I think sometimes in the South Asian community that is amplified even more. And so I wanted to make this a, a completely different experience for people who are serious about dating for marriage. Wow, so this this is really fascinating to me. Um, my parents were actually had an arranged marriage in ISKCON. And yes. so I grew up with that as my foundation. And what I'm hearing from you and also from a lot of people in the community is that the cultural, societal, familial pressure can be uh, let's just say not super romantic <laughs> or not, not super inspiring to find your life partner. In uh, the least. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it sounds like you're help, you're able to, you're kind of bridging the gap between that model and this sort of like Tinder model, which is the shallowest possible version of dating. Right. Yeah. Swipe, swipe, swipe. And there's no, there's no voice. There's no human connection. Maybe you go on a date, but it's just, it's very hard. So you're bringing in, you're bringing in a, that sort of um, someone who cares for you, someone who has your best interest in mind is going to try and help you. And it also gives the, the potential couple an outside perspective. And I think that we can become very lost in our own patterns, in our own, um, you know, we can attract partners that aren't the best for us. And so I'm curious, what are some ways in which you link people and, and find compatibility? Yeah, so all of our clients go through a very in-depth question um, interview process with us. That's how we get to know them. And during that time, I'm actually very proud of our intake process that's developed over the past two years. Um, we have points of compatibility that we feel work for you. So first off, background, you know, um, demographics are going to play a, an important piece no matter what ethnicity you're looking at. Um, but then we also want to look at, like, how were you born and raised? What was your upbringing like? And how does that influence who you are today? We ask for kind of a little bit of introspection. How do you think that people view you in the world? What are some characteristics or qualities about yourself? So we really dive into you as a person before we even start talking about how we're going to match you or who we're looking for. In that instance, we again look at the demographics, but beyond that, we want to talk about personality traits, characteristics, education, profession, really peeling back those layers of what you're seeking in a partner and the why behind it. A lot of the times it's very much like, well, I, I know I want it to be X, Y, and Z, that checklist model, but I want to know that why, what is that motivation behind it? 
And then lastly, we also dive into what it does look like for you long-term after you've met your partner, let's say you get married, what happens 10, 15, 20 years down the line? Because a lot of times they think that, especially when the apps, you're so focused on finding the right one right now, but you have to live with that person for 40 something years. How do we know it's going to stand the test of of time? Mm -hmm. And so I I look at all of that. Sounds like a powerful framework. Do you, what do you think about attachment theory and some of the the relational psychology that's coming out from like Gottman Institute, how does that play into everything that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I'm hearing a lot more about the attachment theory and all that. And I know that it's interesting. It's actually related or rooted a lot in, in the philosophy. Um, and I've been like interested in learning those parallels and correspondings myself as well. So we're not actually um, incorporating the law of attraction or those principles yet, but I am studying and learning about it myself because I am very much interested in seeing how that actually resonates in, in the dating space. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, um, uh, so I was talking about like attachment theory and I noticed you said law of attraction and I just want to make sure uh, it, it, that we're talking about the same thing. So when I say attachment theory, I'm sort of thinking about uh, anxious avoidant, um, sort of like the patternings that we get in our, in our childhood from our parents. So uh, Stan Tatkin talks about three main categories or buckets. You have islands, waves, and anchors. And anchors we'll call securely attached and we'll just we'll pretend for a second that they just very they had kind of not a perfect childhood, but they they were seen, they were safe, their experience was validated, they could express safely without their emotions being shamed. And then you have you have the waves and the islands and the islands are sort of um, very in, like individual. They want space. It's hard to be close. It's it's hard to build intimacy for them. They They were. Maybe they, they just needed, they, they're working through their own childhood. Either there's too much invasion of their privacy or there wasn't enough, uh, you know, connection. And then the waves are kind of more like a wave, like it goes towards the island. They want that closeness. And so I'm, I'm just wondering if that kind of comes out in, in who you see and who you're trying to match. Absolutely. So when we talk about, you know, previous relationship experiences during the interview process, you get an understanding of what are people's kind of attachment styles, right? How and and why I ask that is because I want to know, are they learning and progressing with each subsequent relationship that they've been in? And a lot of times people don't understand that, hey, there's some prescriptive patterns that are happening. So we discuss that. And then if I find somebody that is maybe kind of standing in their own way or their attachment style might require a little bit more handholding or finesse from their side, we have an amazing group of coaches that we also partner with that dive deeper into maybe that little bit of understanding of where where your attachment style is coming from and will help you with the skills and tips that it takes to, to recognize that in your future relationships and ask for what you need out of a partner, and then also be open to what they're sending back to you. So we, um, even though we might not be able to address it up front, we do have a wide network of professional coaches that we fundamentally believe in their approach that helps our, our members as well. That is so exciting. I like the idea of a dating data, a dating base, a database that also connects you with uh, relationship coaches, dating coaches. That is so Amazing. That's groundbreaking. And I think that's so needed. And so I'm curious, do this is this conversation is is infinitely fascinating. Do people come to date and they're like not actually ready and they think they are? And do you have to deliver hard news sometimes of like, hey, it sounds like you you need some time to to process or, or what is that like? 
Absolutely. And we're trying to eliminate that by having um, a minimum age group. You have to be 25 or older to work with us because we want you to get a little bit of dating experience and, you know, figure out what you're doing with your life, your career, and just spend some time focusing on yourself. So um, I'm always a little bit wary when I get those people who are on the 25, 26 year old age range. They're like, I'm serious now. I'm ready to get married. And I, that's when a lot of that uh, discussion on what are your motivations around marriage come out. And if I, I get an inclination or feeling that it's because your parents or pushing you or I actually even had a client who came out of a really bad breakup they thought they were going to be married they thought that was their person and so their idea was like let me just let me just get married and Mm -hmm. so understanding those motivations it does come out during the intake process which is why it's fundamental for us to get to know you and go through these questions to really understand are you in the right space are you with it you know with the right motivations yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm curious on the compatibility side, do you involve astrology at all? So I didn't. I, I was pretty anti-astrology to begin with. Not that I didn't believe in it in my personal life. I just felt that, you know, our, one of our fundamental philosophies at Single Shadi is that love is love. And we we really want to match on things outside of caste and sexual orientation Mm -hmm. and gender and all that and so astrology for me i just couldn't square that hole about like why am i matching on birth charts and gunlis and things like that if i i believe that everybody should be compatible for other things like their attachment Mm -hmm. styles their personality traits so we don't match strictly on birth charts however we have partnered with an amazing organization that does vedic astrology numerology so we are able to present you with birth chart and compatibility options, but that will be up to you uh, and your discretion. If you want to use that moving forward, we don't match make based on that. Sounds just like an amazing network of resources for anyone who's ready to take dating uh, way deeper and, and more, uh, more powerfully. And so um, what are some, what are some of the ways that people are, are doing dating wrong? Can we, can we go in there now? Like what, what do you think about the current state of dating? Absolutely. And I would say too, like you mentioned, um, we are a community of daters. So that's why we're pulling in all these different resources, because I know there's not a cookie cutter one size fits all. And I think that the apps have proved that, which is why when I pivoted to create my matchmaking service, I learned quickly on that. I need to incorporate the holistic approach to dating. It can't just be meeting the right person. Um, so yeah, so what I think people are doing wrong when it comes to dating, and unfortunately, I hate to blame the apps, but 10 years of swipe culture has programmed our brains to be looking for instant gratification or satisfaction, you know, knowing that we have all these people at our fingertips and the idea that there's always somebody else. There's always somebody else because you, you think that there's an unlimited stream, the way that these, um, these apps have been developed essentially and dirty secret. I found out that the reason the Tinder guys even decided to create the swipe stream was to show users that they had an unlimited supply of people, even if they didn't. It was essentially to slow users down. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I was like, wow, like this kind of uh, design uh, component that they came up with has fundamentally changed the way people are meeting. And mm-hmm. that was just mind blowing to me. So I think that the superficiality of dating has come out to be more present. I'm not saying it's causing people to be more superficial. We all want what we want, but you're seeing it up front much more. The idea of ghosting, that common decency of like, if you didn't get along with the person, that's fine. You're not obligated, but let them know. Send them a text message. In this day and age where you don't even have to pick up the phone anymore, there's nicer ways to just be a a human being about 
saying that we don't want to move forward. Um, I also think that uh, another issue that people are doing wrong is keeping too many um, irons in the fire, if you will. And while I'm not saying you have to have the approach of one person only, the idea is that if you're always looking for the next best thing or talking to five different people at the same time, how are you ever going to be in a place to create a deeper relationship with one or two people? Because that's the ultimate way you're going to know whether or not it's going to lead to marriage. So having multiple conversations at all the time, you're just not focused on that on that person. Yeah, it's spread out the and and there's like a lack of presence is what I'm hearing. And you know, I know you you focus on folks of the South Asian diaspora. And I'm wondering culturally, what differences are are there be- between the two that are that are maybe working out more in in South Asia. Yeah, the biggest differences we notice between like Western dating and Eastern dating, if you will. Well, the word dating, we we were very late to embrace that word because the connotations wrongly or rightly as they are, when we were growing up was like, if you dated, that means you were forward or you were maybe being promiscuous or something like that, you know, always kind of negative towards females. So just letting the, our community be okay with dating is a big step for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously leads into then intimacy. Uh, you know, people, I'm a firm believer in having to date around and figure out what you like. Intimacy can be ranging from just holding hands and hugging to, you know, all the way to moving in with somebody. And so for me, it's like where you're comfortable, it, it's fine. You are where you're coming from, but you need to be open. And that concept, I think, in Western dating has been around for much longer um, because, you know, a, a fundamental part of dating is evolutionary and that compatibility comes from attraction. And so you need to be aware of what works for you in an attraction sense and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think uh, another big uh, difference between Eastern and Western dating is the big question. We are tend to be much more marriage focused in our approach to dating, whereas in the Western kind of culture, it's not so. Um, you know, you could be dating for a year or two before the, the question of do you see this going to marriage or do you want to have children even come up? Whereas in, in, in South Asian dating, I think that that big talk happens between the third and fourth date much more frequently. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that is really, really true and uh, well laid out there. Thank you for that. I'm wondering if you could share some relationship skills for everyone, East or West, that are that will serve us in this new age of technology and isolation and more connection than ever before at the same time. So, what what are some 21st century dating skills that you could, or or relational skills? Because I think that it does it, it affects us in our work. It affects us in our friendships and, of course, in our romantic life. So what are some relational skills that you could share? Absolutely. I think in this day and age of 21st century, being globally connected, learning from the past year that you can do so much from behind a screen in order to be safe for the world, um, lead into that, right? So be present everywhere. I think one good thing that the apps has taught us is that you can you can be out there and put yourself in, in many different communities and spaces to say, Hey, universe, I'm looking for a partner and putting that energy out there. So I would say lean into that. Uh, also take the time to focus on yourself. If you're not going out and about because your social, um, limit, you know, social limitations are down right now due to the pandemic, focus on yourself. Take a philosophy course, explore something that you've been wanting to learn, like a hobby or interest. Um, meet other people in a non, uh, uh romantic way too to expand your mind. 
focus on what really works for you or who you are, because that is going to then come out in your dating life as well. The more you realize, I do like this. I don't like that. I'm interested in learning and growing in this way. You'll be able to open yourself up to different types of partners that you might not have thought about in the past. Um, and then lastly, coaching. Uh, why we incorporate coaches into our community of daters is because I really do believe in it. A lot of times it's just simple as, hey, I need some a boost of confidence before I'm going out to meet this guy for the first time. And, uh, you know, otherwise it goes all the way up to I've been dating this guy for a couple of months. I'm afraid to have that talk, that big talk we talked about, you know, and and, and just having somebody to kind of coach you through it. I, I loved somewhere I read that coaches have coaches and coaches come from coaches because it's true. Everybody needs someone to chat with and talk to and maybe guide them. So coaches, I, I'm so happy to hear how much you're involving coaches because I think that there's a stigma around getting counseling. There's a stigma around mental health. There's a stigma around couples coaching. And so it's great that you're helping to normalize it and make it more accessible to people. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, and so kind of going back to skills for the listeners and, and how we can think about dating, what would you say to young people now? And I mean, I love that you said you spend time with yourself. And I think that is really important. And you kind of alluded to it early that there, that there's like an age like 25, 26, where you feel like people are still getting to know themselves. But what would you tell young people if we had like a 1000, you know, middle and high schoolers, what would you tell them about dating in today's world? I would say be prepared for heartbreak. It's inevitable when you're dealing with matters of the heart, but that can make you stronger. And I think that those early experiences do shape so much of our lives. So having a good support system, having a good relationship with your family or friends who can help you as you're navigating heartbreak, breaks up, this and that, um, definitely have that support system early in place. I think also, um, same tips that I gave my regular daters, be open. Um, a lot of people now are, are looking into queer identities and gender fluidity and all that. So be open, figure out what works for you. I think that what you're learning in an educational standpoint during school should also carry over into your, your skills as a, as a human, how to be a good human. Just like we're questioning what we think of our relationship with God and our, you know, all of that, you should also be thinking about your relationship uh, um, to yourself and how you want that to be with others. So I think that just being honest with yourself is, is, applicable at any age. And I would love to teach that to younger kids who are still just getting into touch with their hormones and what's going on in their bodies that don't be ashamed and get yourself a good support system because there's a lot going to be happening in your life and having a healthy support network to talk through it all is going to help you in the long run. Wonderful advice. Wonderful advice. And, you know, for those who feel like somehow matchmaking or, or more, more arranged kind of dating is somehow removing them from the flow of destiny and true love. What would you say to that? Is that true or is that not true? I'm a huge believer in destiny. Again, Hindu philosophy is that everything is written when we were born. Um, so what's to say that your destiny wasn't to be introduced to that person? There's nothing wrong with how you meet a person. There's no right way to do it. I think that's where the Disneyfication or the Bollywoodfication comes in a lot into our minds. Uh, but there's no right or wrong story. Who's to say there's a right or wrong story? Yeah, yeah. I love that. The Disneyfication or Bollywoodfication. That's very true. And it's, you know, it sounds like 
it sounds like if it's meant to be, it, it will happen. If we're meant to cross paths, it will happen. And whether we run into each other walking down the street or you run into someone through a friend or you run into someone because of a dating uh, matchmaking site, it's still very much under the control of the cosmos of, of source of creator. So we can't really bypass that. So I think that was a great, a great answer to that. So kind of transitioning and going kind of a little, a little deeper. So your name is Radha, who is, which is also the name for the Supreme feminine portion of divinity. Right. And so I was, yeah. I was wondering if, if we could dive into Radha Krishna a little bit and the, the divine couple, because I think that in, in many ways, we're these sparks of divinity. We're these sparks of God consciousness and we are craving that same divine pastime of Radha and Krishna. And so I'm just curious if you could talk to us a little bit about, I love it. It's my favorite love story, not just because I'm named after her, but if you if you actually dive into the 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 story or the mythology, if you will, one of my favorite parts is that they don't actually end up together. Mm -hmm. Their love is transcendent in a different way. So and that really opened my eyes to be like, there's different types of love. And so there's obviously romantic love, but even if we're talking about those different stages of life, as I'd mentioned earlier, that that cosmic connection is what you should be yearning for, not necessarily that romantic connection or whatever. Um, so I do believe that there is a little bit of divine in all of us. That, that's what Hinduism teaches us, that God is all around us and within us. So by recognizing that, that, that divine in the other person and matching at that level is beautiful. Uh, I'm not claiming that I can get you to that level, but in, in my mind, I think that is ultimately what should, what we should be striving for all the other stuff, right? Education, demographics, you know, all of that is, is secondary to that, that connection. Um, and if you, uh, we work with all religions in the South Asian diaspora, but if you do believe in, in Hinduism, we believe that that marriages are for seven lifetimes and that mm -hmm. that cosmic connection is what draws you to your partner every every lifetime. Um, and if I and single to Shadi can be part of that, I, I, I think that that's my responsibility that God has given me. And so I appreciate you guys trusting me with that. That's wonderful. I love hearing that. That's super inspiring. And so as we are getting towards the end of this interview and there, there's a million more questions I can ask. So I'd love to have you on again in the future. I was wondering if there's one inspiring love story that you could share from your network, from your time matching people. If there's some, some short story that you could share of, of it working out really well for someone. Absolutely. I would say um, during the pandemic, as everybody knows, it's been very hard. You're making those initial connections, but what do you do? You can't meet them in person. You don't know necessarily like who's breaking quarantine, who's not, what their living situation is like. Um, I would say my favorite story is that I had a couple who early on, she was like, it's okay. I'm not going to stop dating. I'm not going to shut my life off just because we're, we're you know, we're doing, I'm going to pivot. And so she was very, you know, we matched her up with a guy it really really they had great conversations good chemistry and he kept hitting a wall like what do i do now we can't meet in person we, you know she's in new york he was in miami what do we do now and i would say that she was so 
um, positive and, you know, determined that she came up with amazing ideas. She actually helped me create my tips for pandemic dating, long distance dating because of all, all the willingness she was able to try. And to the point that they were able to, to last, like they made a long distance without meeting in person for almost six months. And then they actually took the leap and getting on a plane and meeting in person and all that. So I think that was very inspiring is that you can see that if your mentality is in the right space and if you're doing it with the right intentions, you can date through no matter what. Uh, you know, I was, I'm always motivated by love stories that I hear about people who have um, through war, through refugee status and, and just coming back to that person because your effort and your, your intention behind it is truly what's going to be the determinant of, of the outcome. That is so inspiring. And that is so wonderful that you all are innovating in this space and, and kind of you're on the ground, you're seeing so much, you're seeing so much data, you have your network, which is sort of going out there and gathering intel on on what's going on for for these uh, lovely souls trying to connect out there. So that's really inspiring. So usually at the end of this, I want to wrap up with a couple of rapid fire uh, questions about like books and, and things you, you like. So first question is, what is a book that you love? Oh, how to meet how to make friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It's an oldie, but a goodie because it's, it's, I think a, a good lesson for life, right? How to how to build relationships in your life, not even just in the romantic sense, but at work with your family, with your friends. Um, that is one of my favorites, and I tell everybody, even like uh, younger kids who would ask me like for advice or mentorship or whatever, I would say read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's like maybe the third or fourth time I've heard that recommended in the last few months. So I'm definitely going to get on that. Thank you for that. And what's yeah. your favorite podcast? Well, I am a news junkie. Um, so my favorite podcasts are anything on NPR. But if we had to talk about it um, from the relationship space, I like listening to Kind of Dating by Natasha Chandel. She's another fellow South Asian, but she um, has a fun way of approaching it. She brings interesting guests on. So, yeah, those are a little bit of the podcasts that I listen to. Amazing. Amazing. That's wonderful. So this last, this last little section here is just open to you. If there's anything you'd like to share with the audience, you've shared so much value already and it's so fascinating what you're doing. Obviously up on the screen, if you're watching, we have Radha's website and Instagram, which is single to Shadi, which is S H A A D I single to Shadi. And yeah, so this space is just for you to amplify whatever it is that you would like to at this moment. Absolutely. So our philosophy of we are not your parents matchmaker is truly our driving philosophy. It goes into things about, you know, being intentional why you want to get married. Um, and then also thinking about what it means to you moving forward into the after you get married. So we really embrace that philosophy. There's a lot to it. Um, I encourage you to sign up on our website. It's easy to get started. Meet with me a little bit about what makes us different and how we can help you achieve kind of those goals that you're looking for in your life. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. Love and connection is one of the most beautiful parts of life. And it is, it's wonderful to see an organization innovating in this space and, and making a deeper connection between souls right now. So thank you. Happy Holy. Thank you for coming on and encourage everyone to go check out Radha and her work and her team. She's doing amazing things for building a more loving and connected community. So thank you, Radha. Thank you, Kaylee. Happy Holy to you as well. Namaste. Namaste.
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Be On Air. I hope you enjoyed it and are now one step closer to turning on your mic and broadcasting your message to the world. Are you ready to start your own podcast and amplify your brand? Or are you struggling to get your show in front of engaged audiences? I can help you on your broadcasting journey. Get in touch with me and apply for a strategy session if you want to discuss your podcast idea. You can reach me at www.podcast-farm.com. I'm on all the social media. Until next time, my friends, I'm Kaylee Marks. Thanks for tuning in to Be On Air.